It's Tuesday, November the 10th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, a vaccine spreads cheer and Republicans dig in their heels. First, the world in brief. Pfizer and BioNTech, two pharmaceutical firms, announced that the vaccine they have been collaborating on is more than 90% effective in preventing symptomatic cases of COVID-19. The results are based on an interim analysis conducted by an independent data monitoring group. Pfizer says that no serious safety concerns arose in the trials. The next step will be to apply for emergency authorization for the vaccine in America and Europe. News of two more vaccines from two other teams is expected in coming weeks. Stock markets rose around the world in reaction to Pfizer's announcement with hopes of a return to economic normality. Some European indices climbed by nearly 10%. American share prices jumped with airlines, banks and cinema chains rising sharply. Asia's followed suit. The price of oil surged by more than 9% on the prospect of heightened demand. President Donald Trump tweeted that he had terminated Mark Esper, his fourth Secretary of Defense. Christopher Miller, director of the National Counterterrorism Center, will become acting defense secretary. Mr. Esper's departure had been foreordained. In June, he publicly disagreed with the president about the use of active duty troops to quash protests. Republicans redoubled their efforts to cast doubt on America's presidential election result. Attorney General William Barr set aside rules that prevented his prosecutors from investigating allegations of electoral fraud, prompting a senior official to resign. Mitch McConnell, the party's leader in the Senate, celebrated Republicans' electoral victories while supporting Mr. Trump's refusal to accept defeat. The transition team of President-elect Joe Biden may sue to force federal agencies to recognize its legitimacy. Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan signed a Russian-brokered deal to end a war with Azerbaijan over the disputed region of Nagorno-Karabakh. Azerbaijan will keep those areas of the breakaway ethnic Armenian territory it took during the six-week conflict. Armenian troops will withdraw from several others. Mr Pashinyan called the agreement incredibly painful. Azerbaijan's president crowed that Armenia had capitulated. Peru's Congress ousted the country's president, Martin Vizcarra. Mr. Vizcarra was impeached over allegations that he accepted bribes in exchange for government contracts while he was a state governor, which he denies. The political crisis is badly timed. Peru has the world's highest rate of coronavirus deaths and its economy has been clobbered. And the European Union began to apply tariffs on imports of American goods worth $4 billion a year. It was given permission to do so by the World Trade Organization last month as retaliation for American subsidies for Boeing, a plane maker. Nonetheless, the European Commission hopes the election of Joe Biden will reduce transatlantic trade tensions. And now, here's today's agenda. Health Scare, Obamacare in Court Today, America's Supreme Court takes up California v. Texas, which threatens to scrap the Affordable Care Act. In 2012, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote a 5-4 decision upholding the ACA's requirement that most Americans purchase health insurance. 
Texas and 17 other states contend that the mandate became unconstitutional, along with the rest of the law, when Congress reduced its financial penalty to $0 in 2017. The House of Representatives and a group of nearly 20 states say the plaintiffs lack standing to sue and defend the watered-down provision as a legitimate exercise of congressional power. The case could turn on whether lopping off one part of the law dooms the rest. The newly arrived Justice Amy Coney Barrett criticised Chief Justice Roberts' rationale in 2012 as implausible, but emphasised in her Senate confirmation hearing that the issues in California v. Texas are quite different. Health coverage for some 23 million Americans during the pandemic hangs in the balance. Apple Cores – New Chips for Macs since 2006, Apple has relied on Intel to supply processing power for its computers. That changes today. The new laptops Apple is expected to unveil are substantially unchanged from older models, with one notable exception. They will run on chips designed in-house and not by the semiconductor giant. The chips and accompanying operating system bring Apple's laptops into closer alignment with iPhones and iPads, which already run on in-house processors. This will allow laptops to run the full suite of apps designed for those devices. Although Apple will still sell Macs with Intel chips for up to two years, the company may reap an immediate benefit – freedom from Intel's lagging schedule. The chipmaker's last major release, planned for 2015, came out four years late. The generation of chips the company is currently working on is a year behind its original release target. Now it is Apple's turn to show it can set the pace. All over but the counting, Bihar's election. In India's poorest state, a complicated election is running like clockwork. Bihar voted in phases from late October. The final ballots were cast on Saturday. With exit polls suggesting a dramatic conclusion, Indians await the results today with bated breath. The state's fast-growing population of 124 million was wooed by Tejashwi Yadav, son of Bihar's former chief minister-turned-jailbird Lalu Prasad Yadav, who leads a broad coalition. He may just displace Nitish Kumar, the long-term incumbent who is nowadays an ally of Narendra Modi, India's prime minister. Invincible at the national level, Mr Modi fights hard to win elections in the states which control the most crucial budgets. The Prime Minister warned Biharis that Mr Yadav would bring back the chaos of his father's jungle Raj. The younger Mr Yadav has a simpler message – he will create jobs where Mr Kumar has faltered. Older voters favour Mr Kumar, but the young, desperate for work, prefer the challenger. Hidden Damage – Britain's Labour Market Economists will watch closely for the effects of the pandemic when Britain's labour market statistics are published today. Thanks largely to the government's furlough scheme, the unemployment rate has so far stayed remarkably low at 4.5%. But that may understate the extent of the blow. In last month's release, the Office for National Statistics said that the number of payroll employees had dropped by 673,000 between March and September. That decline may well have accelerated in October, as regional lockdowns were put in place and some companies laid off workers, anticipating the scheduled end of the furlough scheme. Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, has since reversed course and extended it until March. 
Yet with the economy set to shrink by more than 10% this year, according to the IMF, the unemployment rate will keep going up. The OECD, an intergovernmental think tank, thinks it will rise to 7.1% by 2021. Non-zero-sum game, next-gen consoles. The next round of the console wars begins today when Microsoft's latest Xbox gaming console is released. Sony's new PlayStation 5 follows on Thursday. Both are likely to sell well. Video games have had a bumper year fueled by pandemic restrictions that kept people indoors. New Zoo, which tracks the industry, reckons the global market will grow by 20% this year to $175 billion. Analysts expect shortages of both consoles in the run-up to Christmas. The industry may be transformed over the coming years. Microsoft in particular is betting that the streaming technology that revolutionized the film and music industries will do the same to gaming. It hopes that the size of the market can be expanded dramatically by enabling blockbuster console games to be streamed to smartphones or internet-connected televisions. That prospect has lured other tech giants too. Amazon, Facebook and Google have all launched similar services in the past few months. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Hogarth, who was born on this day in 1697. A great many people seem to delight most in what they least understand. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And we'd like to hear from you. Please tell us what you think of The Economist Morning Briefing by answering a short survey at economist.com forward slash morning briefing survey.